Hello and welcome to Roll for Topic, a roundtable discussion about topics related to running role-playing games. I'm Chris Salzman. And I'm Andy Rao. This week, um, I think we're going to kind of do what we did a little bit of last week, which ended up being pretty fun, was making a D6 table sort of on the fly. And you told me beforehand that you had an idea for one, although you have not told me what that idea is yet. I do, yeah. So, okay, so as you know, uh, because you'll be playing in it, uh, <laughs> I am prepping to run an online game of the Alien role-playing game. Uh, and that's coming up in just a couple of days. By the time this episode airs, it will have come and gone. Uh, so my the table of, table idea I have is kind of themed by Aliens, although it's not a table I will be using in the game you're playing in, so we don't need to worry about spoilers here. When you think about running a, a game of Alien or some other kind of sci-fi horror type game like Mothership or something else, it's fun to think about the kinds of challenges PCs run into and must solve in movies and video games uh, mm-hmm. in the space horror genre. And one of the biggies is, especially in like video game incarnations of this genre, is you've always got to go fix something, but uh, <laughs> something something always goes really wrong that yes. that like you then have to go fix another thing. So here is our table. I'd like us to make a D6 table of why is it so why is this critical shipboard system going to be so hard to repair? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Uh, okay, so my my first thought immediately was just like it is it's on the outside of the ship, so you have to do a, like an untethered spacewalk. Perfect. Yes. Okay. okay. Uh, uh, do you mind uh, jotting these down while we? Yeah, do? I'm gonna. I'll jot this one down. Okay. So, and uh, we'll... Untethered space spacewalk. We'll yeah. So you could. Yeah, that's that's the classic. Someone's gonna have to go out there, right? And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and when you've it's got always your, gonna be uh... the most the most nervous guy is gonna have to go oh, out there. Totally. You and you're in one of those big bulky suits, so you can't move and. Uh, that's when we realize that whatever the things are, they can definitely move around on the whole of the ship. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's um, when we realize that whoever whoever built this stupid space station put like the critical communications array way out on like oh, yeah. big antennas like way out that you have to walk on. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and it takes uh it takes like a non standard screwdriver head as well. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah. That goes pinging off into nothingness. <laughs> Okay, so uh, so number one is uh, it's you're gonna have to go outside to fix it. Mm-hmm. So uh, here's I have an idea for number two. Okay, uh, this system is gonna be hard to fix because the only person who is able to fix it or who has like the passcode to get you into the room or the system mm-hmm. is an enemy or a person with a competing agenda who's demanding Ooh. a devil's bargain in exchange for their help. I mean, the clear answer there is right. Like you. Like they're demanding a devil's bargain, so you will then hold them at gunpoint, or or kill them to take the yes. key card, the, the the red key card that you need. Yes, I mean this yeah. table is. I mean it, this table is mostly jokey, but yeah, I I am trying to think what are some things that, um, it, like in a game of this sort, there's really no telling like what the PCs might try to do, right? If you're in like a wrecked space station and the power is off and stuff, you kind of gotta rely on your players to come up with like a creative way to do it um because there's so many different like you know they could go try repair the life support they could go try and uh repair the communication system to call and help they could Mm -hmm. you know there's an endless variety of things they can do and so i think if you're jamming you need to be ready whatever they propose you need to be ready to like just throw a complication into their plan that will 
itself be involved like tough choices and stuff right yeah so um anyway i think both of the two we have so far are so what's another one chris you got you got one um i'm thinking about um so i'm like always thinking about jurassic park but thinking about jurassic park in particular <laughs> right now about how um when they hit the point in the the story where they essentially just have to reboot everything on the island oh, yes. and in between them and the power station is a bunch of raptors <laughs> so yes. like the the control room or whatever is the way to it is blocked by your like clear and present alien danger yes that's perfect have you ever played the video game uh dead space i have not okay it's like a it's like kind of an aliens it's a great game but it's an aliens type of ripoff game and there's a wonderful moment where you're in like you're traveling in the uh this this you know haunted infested space station of course and you're traveling through like the tram on the space station yeah. and you say something like well I've got to I've got to get to the control room or whatever but at least I don't have to go through the medical like lab <laughs> and then yes. right on cue like the train screeches to a halt and this voice goes like error like we are now arriving at the medical lab and it's <laughs> oh, that's like, of course we are yeah <laughs> and it's full of zombies as you would expect but... of, of course right yeah <laughs> so um AI, like hostile artificial intelligences, I guess, have to, there has to be at least one on any ship or system that's failing. So, Mm -hmm. what about, um, what if the artificial intelligence thinks that your attempt, your repair attempt is a threat or an attack? So, you have to like talk it down or evade all of the defense systems that it's bringing online or, or something. Mm, yes yeah so the hot the, just thinks you're a threat yeah of course obviously like yeah at 2001 space odyssey is a pretty good yes <laughs> pretty yes, good that's a classic yeah <laughs> yes. yeah um i mean it could be as simple as like you just you you don't have the right tool to fix yep. to fix the control thing like right like yeah you there's a bunch of wires out and you have to go find some wires somewhere else yeah you know sometimes simple can be good right yeah, like let's let's upgrade that to like lacking a, a crucial tool. Okay, yeah, there you go. That could force a player to come up with a more direct, you know, a, some a more crude or an alternate way to solve it. Or it could lead to like, oh yeah, the tool you need is like down in Cargo Bay mm-hmm. thirteen, and no one's heard from Cargo Bay thirteen in a week, right? So there's five, and it's like so we have like you know, I'm just go through them real quick. So there's like the untethered spacewalk. Right, so this is like somewhere outside of the ship. Um, there is some sort of like enemy or other faction that has control over what you're trying to access. Okay. Uh, the control room is just on the opposite end of a bunch of alien enemies. Um, some yep. sort of hostile AI uh, thinks that you are a threat. Uh, you are lacking a crucial tool in order to okay. to operate this machinery or you know or fix this this control panel. So um, I'm not proposing this necessarily as our sixth and final one but um what about something like just something new appears on the scene that Mm. like forces a shift of priorities or a quick decision so what if like an unidentified boarding vessel just like docked with the ship Ooh, right um i'm thinking of video games again because video games do this sort of thing well and um there was, a, I think it might have been in another Dead Space game where, like, late in the game, you're, like, fighting the bad guys or whatever, and this, like, pod of uh, Marines, helpful Marines, like, docks with a ship. 
right all of a sudden and it turns out that i think they're trying to just get rid of all the evidence or something you end up fighting them you know of anyway, course, but right. of course yeah. you know, but, uh, <laughs> so i don't know no, you know okay. like uh another ship appears or docks with you you know it could be um maybe it could be help it could be pirates or somebody trying to take advantage could be like somebody that knows nothing about what's going on and yeah just like the presence of yeah either like yeah a new a new ship or new yeah new npcs showing up is really good um i'm wondering though like yeah so like if you want to keep a little bit more on theme like yeah how is that relating back to the like a control panel yeah i mean okay so like a lot of these are are like negative i mean what if we did like a positive one <laughs> like sure. you yeah like you you end up stumbling upon a ship that has access to the thing that you need oh sure okay yeah. Yeah, I think that um, works. It's like a ship, a ship full of helpful technology appears. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's good to have one slightly positive. Just so you can look at it and be like, "Oh, that'd be really great if I rolled that," and then you never roll it. Of course, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So we have our. Do we have six now? Yes, we do have six. All right. So yeah. why don't you read them back to us real quick? Okay. So there's untethered spacewalk, um, a rival faction has access to the thing that you need the control room is on the opposite end of a bunch of enemies hostile ai thinks you're a threat you are lacking a crucial tool or a ship full of helpful technology appears okay i think that's, i like it uh, yeah again that's like a good just outline for a fun adventure <laughs> yeah i think a table like that it's not you know you probably wouldn't use a table like that like on the fly in an adventure i mean you certainly could but maybe more of like a, a brainstorming in advance like just give you some ideas for what's going on um so uh i guess tell me a little bit more about the the alien game that you're running right so yeah. I, I'm, I'm playing in it so you sent us a list of characters that we could we could choose from which got me really excited and hyped for the, for the oh, actual good. session but yeah so did you come up with those or like i guess are you running a, a pre-published adventure for this or is this your own creation so i am running a pre-published adventure for this it's called um it's really melodramatically called uh, Destroyer of Worlds. So, uh, ah, okay. so, but it, uh, I'm, I'm sure everything will go according to plan though. And you, your of characters course. don't need to worry. It's going to be fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But what I've found, and I was, as I've, I've been doing a lot of prep for this okay. and I've been thinking like, oh, what can I kind of bring to the podcast here to share about my experiences in prep? Because it's a pretty, it's not exactly a sandbox, but it's a really open-ended scenario. And uh, one of the reasons it's been, it's like, like simultaneously it makes it easier to plan and more terrifying to plan for, right? Because there's not as much, I don't have to like memorize a big bunch of scripted stuff that you're going to experience. But I also have to trust that you guys are going to um, keep rolling forward and keep things moving. And I have to be ready to like throw stuff at you if you stall out or you're wasting time, that sort of thing. So I I wish I had more takeaways, but uh, anyway, I'm sorry I've kind of gone away from your question, but I'm using a published adventure. But what I what I found really quickly is that um, I was going to have to like re really rework this. So I'm taking a lot of the pieces that like the stuff I consider like the, the harder work, like the statting up of stuff and the mapping of locations. And I've, taken like all those puzzle pieces but i'm rearranging them a little bit um mm -hmm. to to change the story around so um we'll see how it goes 
Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think it'll be a lot of fun. I think the the group that you have put together, I know at least a couple of them. Yeah, I think I think it'll go great. Yeah, I'm sure we will somewhat stick to your plan, but also make it a lot harder on you. Than <laughs> yeah. Right, yes. as, as most good players do. Uh, is this is this the sort of game where you could play like a two year long campaign in it, or is it really designed for like a tight couple hour one shot here and there? Yeah, so. This is one of the selling points of the Alien RPG, so let me put on my like marketer hat here. Yeah, so one of the pitches that it talks about in any article you read about this game is the two modes you can play it in. One is the mm. uh, campaign mode, which is what you just described, like a typical RPG thing. It's like an ongoing thing. You might play it for a few months or a few years, but you have characters and they go around exploring the universe and getting into adventures, right? Um, and I think that kind of mode, like what you would be doing is sort of like a, like scoundrels of the setting, like a little bit of like the Han Solo-y type of thing, like roving like scrappers or yeah, like, like okay. roving vagabonds of some sort. Um, mm-hmm. but then the other mode quote mode you can play in this game, they, they call it cinematic mode. Um, I mean, I think if you're an experienced GM, you would just say, Oh, it's just like, you mean a one shot, right? Yeah. So, and that is... <laughs> That is like a, and I feel silly almost using the official terminology for it, but in that mode, it like a, it is basically a one shot or something that is designed to be played in like a couple short sessions. That's what we will be doing. And the goal oh, cool. of that, which is a very wise game design decision on their part, given the subject matter, I think the goal is to like try to reproduce the pacing and experience of an alien movie. You know, it means a lot of stuff happening kind of quickly and in very intense fashion and like kind of it's a one shot. So your character is very possibly will die. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like any good one shot or like a con game, it invites you to like have characters that have agendas and strong personalities that would not really work in a long term campaign. So in this, like you could have a character who is like, whatever, a psychopath because that would you know because that would make an interesting cinematic experience whereas you could not have like a psychopath in your two-year regular campaign without you know without it falling apart yeah it's like that you you can play that one-dimensional character because there doesn't need to be any more depth to the marine that just wants to shoot stuff if he's he's only gonna be around for an hour yeah exactly so (laughs) yeah we'll be playing we'll be playing in that mode um and i guess we'll just see how it goes uh but yeah it's really interesting that you mentioned like this, the cinematic mode and like it being a selling point. Cause um, I was talking with John Corey, you know, a past, you know, guest and co-host and stuff of the show. So, so he played in the, the one shot that I just did and he was mentioning how he's just like, he likes shorter game sessions these days. Yeah. Like I'm finding myself gravitating towards that a lot too. Playing these games that they're not meant to be a year long, and there there isn't the depth there either for it. It really is just like a one night, you know, couple night thing. And then you yeah. move on with your life, yeah. And you can, yeah, you don't have to come up with a character that you're just really going to invest in. It's just like you can just go with your first idea, have fun with it, and then set it aside. You know, and yeah, think about it, it fondly. <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah. I totally agree, and I I mean I think a lot of people in kind of our place point in life. Uh, Mm -hmm. probably would gravitate towards that. And so it doesn't surprise me that's a selling point here. I I think what the alien game line wants is they won't really want you to be able to like buy an adventure or whatever and 
uh, like play that night with your friends, mm-hmm. right? And it's yeah. got all the character sheets and stuff like that printed out for you. In reality, like it still takes a lot of it still takes <laughs> prep. You know, I mean, it's not yeah. it's never going to be that easy. But um, I often wonder about that, um, and not to get drift off into a kind of a just in RPG industry discussion, but um, you know, I often wonder when I see like Dungeons and Dragons releasing these like big monster campaign books, which are awesome mm-hmm. and I love them and I've played a bunch of them. But, um, you know, I wonder how many D&D groups actually play th- all the way through, like, yes. <laughs> uh, you know, whatever, uh, yeah. Tyranny of Dragons or what, you know, I do think that games like more on the fringe of the hobby have a little bit more freedom to be like, to experiment with like, hey, maybe you mm-hmm. just want like a game to play over this holiday weekend. Yeah, I mean, I think like what, what Tales from the Yawning Portal was probably a little bit of an attempt to do that, right? Yeah. Like more kind of single things. But I guess I haven't read it fully. I don't know if the intent was that you're going to play through all these adventures yeah. or not. But I mean, like, yeah, I mean, that's it's a time-honored tradition in D&D to just play, you know, roll up some specific characters and, you know, play a one-shot and then never really sort of touch them again. Um, and I think it's a style of play that actually appeals to a lot more people. Like, there's, at least in my experience, I found, like, long campaigns are great. You have to find the exact right people to do that. Whereas putting together a one-shot, getting a couple of friends together, that's like that's actually pretty pretty easy and low impact if you're telling them up front. Like, no, you're not committing for years. Like, you're committing for one or two nights. And then, too, like, like what I mentioned, like, I mean, there's something really fulfilling about that, knowing that it's going to end pretty quickly. Like, because then I think you're more willing to take some chances that you might not if it's going to be, yeah, a long two-year campaign. Absolutely. I think one area of this, I mean, obviously one shots and, and miniature campaigns have been around for forever, but mm-hmm. one area that I think the alien RPG kind of is aiming for that I like is this idea of like, how can we, how can we compress the entire experience? How can we let you experience the entirety of this game in like a short period of time? Right. Mm-hmm. Cause everyone has played one shot D and D adventures or your first level adventures and you have a first level adventure and then that's it. But like yeah. the in the alien game, it's trying to go from like from the starting point and do your character growth and hmm. you know uh, grow as a character, resolve a big plot and stuff like that. You're trying to do compress all of that into like the time that it would take to do that in a movie, right? Yeah. So like you know, could that be done with like with D and D? You can play in short chunks, but you will not experience more than a fraction of really what the game has to offer you right yeah at least from a certain perspective yeah and i think that's yeah it's just that's sort of how the game is i mean you if you wanted to say like level up your character 10 times that would be your night yeah is figuring out how to level up your character 10 times (laughs) so i guess i'm curious with the alien game like if you've if if you've read the the books a little bit if you play in the non-cinematic mode whatever you know they call it the the normal the normal mode yeah um do you i guess like do you have that exact same sense of progression just like stretched out or is it like the feeling of the cinematic mode just over and over and over well that's a great question honestly the rule book doesn't talk about it too much and i think mm-hmm. there's this there i get this very strong sense from reading this rule book it's like you know you totally can't play this in campaign mode you know have okay. have fun uh you know you'll have to figure out some the answers to some kind of tough questions like, how are you going to make this fun? But we're, <laughs> we're sure you'll do great. But, uh, yeah, it's like the less you know about the Xenomorphs, like history, yeah. <laughs> the better. Yes. Yeah. 
so speaking of which, does the does the alien do, do they call the game master something ridiculous like the xenomorph master? <laughs> they, they do. They it's okay. the. Uh, Wait, you want to take a guess? Have you seen a couple yeah, wait, of Yeah, let me birds, let right? me see if I can take take a better guess than that. Um, I feel like it'd be something with like Marines, like the like drill sergeant ish, like drill sergeant something uh, like that. That make that would make sense, but no, it's not. It's okay. not that. Okay, it's what actually it it's it's something that's in the first Alien movie. Oh jeez, yeah. <laughs> it has to be here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, well, it is it like uh, the president the, the president of the <laughs> what's the corporation. Uh, Wayland then, Yutani. Uh, yeah. Oh, that, that's yeah, a great idea. That is not. It is actually uh, the game mother, because <laughs> the. <laughs> oh, that's the, the worst. <laughs> I know. Yes. The. Uh, well, I mean, there's obviously a lot of uh, motherhood metaphors going on in the alien movies, but the uh, AIs that that the AI that controls the ship in Alien is called Mother. Yes. Uh, so uh, I think it's the idea that you're sort of the uh, the AI controller. Uh, oh my goodness. Okay. That's I will give them credit for that. That is just ridiculous enough. Yeah, and you will you will lose experience points if you don't refer to me as the game mother at all times. Okay. So, so. You know, someone will call you the GM and you're like, "No, say the whole thing." <laughs> That's right. Yes. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's one other thing I wanted to mention and then I want to ask you about mm-hmm. your recent um, Halloween game experience, because yeah. I know our listeners like me are eager to hear how that went. But so one of the things I'm wrangling with right now in the last couple of days before this Alien game is how deep I want to dive into Roll Twenty because it's going to be an mm-hmm. online game, and yeah. I feel like faced with a tool like Roll Twenty, it's got a lot of stuff, got a lot of features, and yes. I feel like. I have to choose, do I just go bare bones and we basically use it like Skype with a whiteboard or mm-hmm. do I try to figure out all the advanced stuff, which looks very cool, but like mm-hmm. I have these warning lights going off in my head that like every extra feature you do is going to like add a possible distraction yeah. from just playing. And I'm wondering, what have you done when you've run online games? Mm-hmm. I mean, where do you fall in that? Do you try to really tease out like all the cool features or do you, are you just like let's just play don't worry about the buttons yeah i started so the the one campaign that i ran was probably that was the longest on roll 20 was the blades in the dark campaign mm-hmm. that you played in yeah i think so we met for maybe 10 sessions i don't even know yeah at this point it, it was more than four right yeah. so there was enough time for us to get used to the character sheets that were integrated in roll 20 um that was a fairly large learning curve, I think, but pretty useful once yeah. once we got into it. I want to say at least one player just didn't bother with it at all. Like the, the online character sheet, they just kind of kept their own. Yep. Um, yeah, so that was pretty useful, although those character sheets were maybe designed by John Harper, the, the guy that wrote it. Mm-hmm. Um, if not him, someone pretty close close to that because they're very professionally done. They're, they're pretty easy to use. Um, yeah, and, and done well. So I think the big question I would have for you with that is like how much of that alien game has been ported to Roll20? Yeah, I don't know if you know the answer to that. But like, no, I that do would be where answer. I would start. Okay. Yeah, so that's so the answer is there is nothing official has been ported. Okay. And this is for the first time in my life, I found myself like thinking, I, I mean, I'm very late to this game, but uh, mm-hmm. late to this like issue, but. It's like, holy cow, why is there not 
a set of like <laughs> alien tokens, you know, brand official tokens or pieces or character, you know, there is a character sheet that as far as I could tell is designed by like a fan and it's, okay. it's great. It's like, you know, it, it's like professional quality character sheet mm-hmm. that integrates with roll 20. But, um, I have been spending a lot of time like making my own like little tokens with the pictures of the NPCs. And it's just like, I would have paid somebody. I would have paid <laughs> for this because yeah. I don't, you know, I mean, it's kind of fun to do it myself, but it's not that fun. Yeah. And I have kids. Yeah. So, well, I mean, yeah, you should, well, you should turn around and make those available to people then, <laughs> whether for free download or not. I would caution you against doing much with roll 20. Just again, knowing the group that we're playing with, we will all get extremely distracted with, um, with, with clicking on buttons and stuff. So unless you're absolutely sure, like we need to click on this button because this is going to save all of us a half an hour of debate. Let's just use it like Skype and like a shared whiteboard. Cause like, yeah, I think there's a lot of depth to roll 20, but it is, it's a whole system to learn. And in my experience, we're going to spend the first half an hour to an hour dealing with audio issues anyway. <laughs> yes, so, yes. <laughs> yeah. Audio issues. And then, and we're, I realized today we're going to have to have like a quick roll 20, like how to use the interface conversation. Cause not mm-hmm. everyone in this game will have used it before. And yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, it <laughs> yeah. did make me, it did make me realize like I, I am not playing a game that has, you know, much, Roll twenty support at all, but there are mm-hmm. game companies that like produce and sell official like Roll twenty compatible like packages. Like Evil Hat mm. does this. So if you're playing oh, Fate yeah. of Cthulhu, you can buy like the Fate of Cthulhu Roll twenty kit, and it has all the stuff from the book like in digital form, saving you having to do it yourself. So I don't know. It's it's neat. It's like you know, it's a lot of it can be a lot of work, and for like. A, a uncertain i'll say payoff uh so <laughs> yeah so i yeah, think, I think i'm gonna err on the side of yeah. keeping it pretty simple maybe like the second time you run it yeah like that's that's a good but i mean like there's gonna be enough questions just about like mechanics and stuff i don't know that's at least in my experience i found that it just ends up being a distraction more than anything and maybe it's just i'm not an elite gamer or something but it's <laughs> i think we've talked about my alien game long enough but more importantly you or last week we did some talking about the Halloween game you were planning to run, and you have since run that game. And I, did, I want yes. to hear how it went, and um, in particular, if this will help you focus in, uh, I would like to hear what you would go back and tell yourself like a month ago when you started dreaming up this game idea. Ooh. What would you tell yourself to do differently or to plan differently? So let's hear how yeah. it went. Yeah, that's a, a good question. Yeah, so for those that didn't listen to the, the previous episode or just wondering, right? So I ran a game that was a like a recreation of a fake 90s sitcom. Um, and they were playing, the characters were playing then in a like the, a special Halloween episode that the sitcom was doing. So the sitcom was called Sounds Good to Me. It was all about the good family located just outside of Detroit. And the Halloween episode that they were playing was the good family. It was going to a, um, a corn maze. So that was the setup for the, the one shot. Um, so it was not intended to be like the elder gods come and destroy the universe. It was intended to be like a silly 90s sitcom family goes and you know has fun in a corn maze. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it went really well. Um, so I ended up adapting um, the lasers and feelings rule set um, so that's, uh, again, by John Harper, 
So I, I ended up rewriting it to be more like a 90 sitcom. So it was instead of lasers and feelings, it was wisdom and wisecracks mm-hmm. instead. Um, so whenever they encountered a situation where they had to roll, they had to decide whether they're going to use like you know, the wisdom of like a parental figure from a 90 sitcom to, to get over this, uh, this, this obstacle in the face of face of them or like make up a joke or a wisecrack or just kind of, you know, barrel into a situation like a, a class clown type character might. Yep. Um, yeah. So that ended up being a, a pretty good setup for the mechanics of the game. Um, it did. I didn't have enough like NPCs for them to really interact with, which okay. is, I think you were just saying, what would you go back and change? I think I would have more like other characters for them to interact with the moments in the, in the game that were a lot of fun were when they were either talking with each other or talking with NPCs less. So when they were trying to do some like action related stuff, just cause the, the rules didn't super support that. Yeah at all um but yeah it was great so i i plan on having like you know a chunk of time just set aside for character creation because that was sort of the the meat of it It was pretty fun you know like come up with your character like you know what kind of trope do you want to play that almost sounds like as fun or more fun than the game honestly yeah like yeah it ends up being yeah it ended up being like super good yeah so they got to they chose um their name um their archetype so like yeah, are you you know the parental figure, you know, that sort of are stuff. Are you the nerd, the jock, that sort yeah, of thing? The nerd, the jock, that sort of stuff. Their family role, like, yeah, are you how do you kind of integrate in with the family um a little bit? And then they had to have a, a flaw, so like something that hmm. just yeah, it happens. So like I think the examples I gave were like, you know, you're always saying the wrong thing. You know, like one of the characters ended up um choosing the the flaw of like you know, he was a little kid, so Matt Wilson, who's also been a guest on this, yes, who's playing a little like eight-year-old boy <laughs> in, in, in the game, but he was, he was just like he always finds himself in the wrong place. Um, you know, so at one point he rolled incorrectly, and I just kind of teleported him somewhere else because it was like, well, <laughs> you don't know how you got there either. That's great. <laughs> yeah, um, and then probably most importantly, they all had to pick a catchphrase, which was super fun. So okay. they, had a, they all had a catchphrase that they would get to say if they rolled particularly well. Was that hard for them? Like, well, you can finish talking, but I want to hear how easy or hard this was for your players. It was mostly pretty easy. There was like a little bit of collaborative, you know, sorting out of some stuff, like just more along the lines of like sort of connections between characters that they they wanted to to have some of that. But for the most part, everybody was just like, yeah, I want to play this kind of character. And, you know, everybody picked for the most part, I would pick someone different, but there was a little bit of mm-hmm. <laughs> a little bit of a discussion about who was going to do what. Yeah, so that ended up being just like great. Uh, people had catchphrases they came up with pretty easily, um, and then throughout the session, we ended up kind of like learning more about the characters, and they kind of they fit them together yep. a bit more too. Um, yeah, so it was it was super good. I, I've, yeah, I've, I'm looking forward to playing this again. So I have another session of this that's going to happen probably this week or so with some of my wife's friends who really want to play it. So I'm looking forward to character creation in that as well. The game itself, the game proper was like, was pretty good. It it was fine. It ended up being, we were playing outside. It was getting kind of cold. Hmm. I think everybody was like, I was pretty tired by the end of that day. (laughs) You know, it was on a Friday (laughs) and all that. Yeah. So it it went pretty fast, but it also felt pretty satisfying. So I think we spent like half hour or so on character creation. And then the the actual episode that we played through is maybe an hour, hour and a half. um, If that, yeah, so it was like pretty tight, um, pretty fun. Everybody got some fun like one-liners and, and and fun actions and stuff in, and yeah, then we just sat around the fire for a little bit afterwards and talked. Yeah. It was 
fantastic. Um, it was really nice to see people in person. Uh, this is the first time that I'd gotten a group together in a yeah, while like that. Yeah, sure. Too. What are you going to be doing differently the next time you run? And now you have a different group of players. You have a bunch yes. of uh, role-playing newbies that you're going to be running for it. The group you just ran for was mostly veterans of role-playing games. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Mostly, mostly like long, long-term veterans. Yeah. So like John Corey was there, you know, Matt Wilson, his wife, they've been playing forever. Um, yeah. And some other folks um, who haven't been on the podcast, so I won't name their names <laughs> yeah. directly. But uh, yeah, like, so everybody like knew what they were doing. This other group that I'm going to run for is like, they just think it sounds like fun, right? Mm-hmm. Like if I told them that we were playing D and D, they'd be like, no, we're not like, I don't want to play D and D, but they want to play this, this yeah. thing. So that should be pretty fun. I love playing with newbies cause they don't, they don't like know what they're not allowed to do. Right. Like, you know how, like if you've been playing games, you kind of like know a little bit what you're not allowed to do, mm-hmm. do in a game or like what's going to break it. So, um, I think for them, I'm going to just have more people for them to interact with. Cause that again, like that, that seemed to be a little bit more fun. And then I need to work on having a bit of a tighter ending to it, uh, like a bit of a tighter like wrap up. Um, so without getting into the story too much, it just sort of petered out at the end of the other session. Like it, it sure. was fine and it worked, but it was also just it wasn't as strong as the, the first part of it. Yep. I don't know. Yeah, I think like it all in all, I'm really glad that I did it. Um, it was a little bit of a challenge just because, you know, I have a baby at home and stuff like that it's it's easier to not run games than it is to run games but it's also a lot more satisfying to to put yourself yep out there and do all the preparation and get it all together so. you know you're talking about running for newbies it reminds me of a an exchange i had with a newbie player like probably close to 20 years ago that has stuck with me yeah. uh and we were playing D D or or something like D D at the time and they were brand new, had never done it before. They were there, I think, mostly because their spouse was was playing, and um, mm-hmm. they're playing a wizard of some sort. You know, level one wizard. This was basic D and D stuff, and yeah, and she was like, "Okay, well, um, I want to be able to uh, like turn invisible and fly," and, <laughs> and 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 I was like, "Oh, I'm I'm sorry, you can't like do that." for another yeah. couple of months at least worth of <laughs> regular playing like right now yeah. you can like you can't you can like give yourself maybe a slight i mean the most powerful spell in your arsenal will give you like a slight bonus to like sneaking around maybe or something like. yeah <laughs> and that was one of those like pivotal moments where i was like it would be so much more fun like everyone here wishes that the wizard could just turn invisible and fly like that would be mm-hmm. 100 times more fun than what i just did which was say no you're like yes. you're actually very weak and powerless so that was one of those like hmm like maybe there's more maybe there's a different angle to this whole like role-playing hobby one that like celebrated and empowered players a little bit more not that there's anything yeah. wrong with first level D, but um that did <laughs> that was just like a little aside i had with this newbie player who i then have not really interacted with in any way for like 20 years but i still think about it from time yeah. to time uh, yeah, yeah. And they probably think about it from time to time as like D and D is so lame. That's right. The time <laughs> I tried like, to have fun with D and D, and then I was told to shut up and sit down. Yeah, it's a, yeah. You can you can cast like thaumaturgy or whatever. <laughs> right, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think something that was really fun about running this one shot, right? Is so it was very much grounded in in like in a non magical setting. 
like there was there was no like magic to it at all like so they're playing like normal you know normal ish people right so that was actually a lot of fun to play with because it's like they didn't have spells at their ready to yep. do stuff you know there was no way they're going to fight their way out of anything right so it's just kind of like interacting and it ends up it's it's pretty fun to just do role playing right like yeah. just give people sort of a, an excuse to do it and it ends up being being a good time okay well i think that it's probably time for us to wrap up we have um we've built a new d6 table which we can put in the show notes um if, if somebody actually uses this that would really crack me up so if you uh, <laughs> yeah. if you ever do yeah. please let me know and then uh yeah we did a little recap about both of the games that we are kind of involved yeah. with at the moment so i think this is a good yeah. time to stop yeah, that sounds good. All right. Well, thank you so much, everybody who, uh, everybody who's listening. Um, yeah, we super appreciate it. I was always reach out and you can send us a message if you want. We're always happy to, to chat gaming, um, or I guess take criticism. Although, yeah, I mean, we can take it, I guess. Yeah, Chris can take <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Send it yeah. to Chris and to Chris. Yeah. And you, you can know, send it um, to me. I will filter it for Andy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thanks. Thanks also for kind of, uh, playing along with us, dear listeners, as we have, tried a few different things as far as format goes on the podcast it's not something we've been planning out meticulously just um but you know we're we're in a weird place you know how many months into this pandemic and we got a lot going on in our personal lives so it's been just uh we've been trying a few different things and we would actually love to hear like if you're Mm -hmm. digging this more than you dug earlier episodes or the other way around so that helps us helps us to hear from you so please let us know yeah absolutely yeah all right well thank you everybody um i've been chris salzman i've been andy Rao. remember if your players are having fun you're a great gm or game mother